According to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless, and grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Matthew 26 will be our passage today as we get started. We're going to read just a few verses in Matthew, a few verses in Mark, and then uh, we're going to see a whole lot more verses in Luke. The bulk of our time will be spent in Luke 22 today. Well, the bulk of our time will be spent probably in Exodus 20, uh, 12 today, but we'll use uh, Luke 12, 22 as a jumping off point. Before we begin, let's take a moment for silent prayer to make sure we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Distractions are set aside. Humble your heart to receive instruction, shall we pray? Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We look forward, Father, to the blessings of, of uh, this class and the classes to come, Father. Uh, one of my favorite portions of the whole Bible, Father, when our Savior goes to the upper room and ministers to his disciples. And we're going to be in that upper room for, for weeks to come here, Father. And I just thank you for what, uh, what it is you're going to feed us with. We're going to feast we're going to eat well, Father, and I'm looking forward to being blessed by your teaching. And I thank you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right, we have a new episode for today, starting with episode 17 in Jesus' final week of work at Jerusalem. We're combining episode 17 with episode 18. And uh, we'll put the two episodes together into a single uh, outline development. Episode 17 is titled Preparation for the Passover. And it is contained in Matthew 26, verses 17 through 19. The preparation basically being telling his disciples to go into the city and follow a guy to a house and go upstairs. All right? Because the preparations have already been made. The disciples don't have to make the preparations. The preparations have already been made before the disciples even walk in. So Matthew 26, verses 17 through 19. Parallel record in Mark 14, verses 12 through 16. Did you turn me down just a moment ago? Okay. Thought I was no, I'm, I'm okay. I just want to make sure I wasn't going crazy. Um, Mark 14 verses 12 through 16, and then Luke, Luke 22 verses 7 through 13, and you'll notice that there's more verses there than there are in uh, in Matthew and Mark. Then episode 18, they actually eat the Passover. Passover eaten, and jealousy. Not my title, as I told you. For seven years now, we've been adapting. The Harmony of the Gospels produced by, mainly um, uh, produced by Robertson, uh, A.T. Robertson and his Harmony of the Gospels, uh, adapting it with a few tweaks and changes, uh, adjusting it with better dates. Robertson was a 30 A.D. crucifixion kind of guy. And uh, as you know, I teach a 33 uh, A.D. crucifixion. Um, in any event, these are Robertson's titles, Passover Eaton, comma, Jealousy. Uh, Matthew 26, 20, just a single verse. Mark 14, 17, again, just a single verse. And Luke 22, verses 14 through 16, as well as verses 24 through 30. Luke 22, 14 through 16, and 24 through 30. The, the gap in there, verses 17 through 23, will be a different episode. And uh, we'll handle that in uh, upcoming classes, episode 19, episode 20, episode 21. In fact, a lot of these, um, we're going to stay in this upper room all the way through episode 23, all right? It's not until episode 23 that we wrap up the upper room, and then in episode 24, Jesus goes out to uh, to pray. And uh, if you have your Harmony of the Gospels, you'll spot that here. Um, the Passover eaten, foot washing, Coming up, uh, uh, the exposure of Judas and his departure. Uh, Jesus warns about further desertion, the institution of the Lord's Supper, the last speech to the apostles. And that's basically John 14, 15, 16, and 17, four whole chapters of the Gospel of John. And then uh, the grief of Gethsemane by the time we reach uh, episode 24. So we're going to be in this upper room for a while, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. So, let's uh, start reading, and let's, let's read it in this order, Matthew, Mark, and then Luke, and uh, that's where we'll spend most of our time. Matthew 26, starting in verse 17. Now, on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, 
where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is near. I am to keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did just as Jesus had directed them. They and they prepared the Passover. And then uh, that's episode 17. And then read one more verse. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the 12 disciples. There you go. There's episode 18. All right. They prepared the Passover. They ate the Passover. And then if you want to continue in Matthew 26, you'll notice the outline and the order of events is somewhat different from Luke's order of events. And, and that's why you, you make the effort to harmonize them. You make the effort to put all the gospel records together. As they were eating, he said, truly, I say to you that one of you will betray me. And then he exposes the traitor uh, by virtue of the one who dipped his hand with me in the bowl. And uh, this is an exposure and uh, the command for uh, Judas to depart. We'll study this um, when we get that far. And then you notice in verse 26, the communion service is instituted. And then uh, after singing a hymn. They went out to the Mount of Olives in verse 30. This is why I appreciate the fact that on Sundays we dismiss with a singing of a hymn and we depart. The last thing we do is we sing a hymn and we depart. We don't uh, pass a plate and hit people up for money uh, on your way out the door. Uh, we follow the example of Christ and his disciples here uh, in the upper room. Having uh, After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. All right, so there's the Matthew record in Mark, Mark 14. You'll spot... Uh, very similar, slight uh, distinctions in some of the uh, terms that are employed. On the first day of unleavened bread, this is verse 12 of Mark 14. On the first day of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb was being sacrificed, his disciples said to him, where do you want us to go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, so there's a slight difference. In Matthew, he was talking to his disciples. Mark gives the detail that it was strictly two of his disciples. We don't get their name till we read uh, their names till we read Luke. Um, where do you want us to eat and prepare for you uh, to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. And wherever he enters, say to the owner of the house, The teacher says, where is my guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he himself will show you a large upper room furnished and ready. Prepare for us there. And the disciples went out and came to the city and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. When it, that's uh, episode 17. And then we can read one more verse. And we have episode 18. When it was evening, he came with the twelve. So this is Thursday of the Passion Week. Um, where most of his day is not spent in Jerusalem. It's not until the afternoon time frame at the period of time where the sacrificial lambs were being slain uh, in preparation of the Passover dinner, the day of preparation, as it were. And uh, he sends them in in the late afternoon and in the evening then. Uh, when it was evening, he came with the twelve. And uh, there it is. And, and as you go down through the rest of chapter 14, you'll find a similar outline to what we had in Matthew. Um, they were reclining at the table and Jesus said, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And it's uh, one of the 12 who dips with me in the bowl. He identifies him there. And uh, they're all, of course, saying, uh, is not me. Surely it's not me. More of that shows up in Matthew than here. Then the communion service, the Lord's Supper in verses 22 through 26. And then uh, singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So there it is. Over to Luke now, Luke 22. Luke 22. So, did you spot that in verse 12 of, of Mark 14? On the first day of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb was being sacrificed. You pick up on that? All right. His disciples said to him, where do you want us to? I'm prepared for you to eat the Passover. Okay. Now, Luke. Luke 22. I'm just spotlighting things, making you think about them. We'll teach them. I'm hoping to see some confused looks, too, while I spotlight some things. All right, Luke 22. 
verses 7 through 13, and then uh, a long stretch after that. This is our most comprehensive of the developments. Now, um, verses 1 through 6, of course, talks about the betrayal by Judas. We talked about this last week or the last couple of weeks. Um, The Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is called the Passover, was approaching. The chief priests and the scribes were seeking how they might put him to death, for they were afraid of the people. And Satan entered into Judas, who was called Iscariot, belonging to the number of the twelve. And he went away and discussed with the chief priests and officers how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. So he consented and began seeking a good opportunity to betray him to them apart from the crowd. Now, we, we've taught this over the last couple of weeks, and we were looking back at Ahithophel, looking back at the Old Testament prophecies related to this and so forth. One thing I did not do is uh, highlight the fact that this was direct satanic possession. Uh, that is, Satan himself uh, influenced uh, Judas, uh, possessed him in a manner similar to how we see demons possessing, how we see demons taking control of a person's uh, body and taking up residence within a, within a person. It is, uh, it is the only time in Scripture that we see a uh, fallen angel take up residence within a person. Remember, I teach a difference between fallen angels and demons, as it were. But here is Satan deliberately, personally, directly entering into Judas, who is called Iscariot. And, uh, and that. We're going to see the motivation happening as well in uh, some other verses we're going to see here shortly. All right. Then verse 7, then came the day of the first day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us so that we may eat it. Uh, And they said to him, where do you want us to prepare it? And he said to them, when you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house that he enters. And you shall say to the owner of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large furnished upper room. Prepare it there. And they left and found everything just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. Now, this is where we skip. No, we don't. Um, That's episode 17. Now, let's move on to verses uh, 14 and following for the Passover eaten and jealousy. When the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. So now there's there's dialogue, there's narrative, there's a message that he is delivering to the twelve while they're eating. In fact, as it's being served, as they're getting ready to eat it, he says, boy, I've been looking forward to this. (laughs) All right. This is a narrative description that was not included in Matthew and Mark. We have the longest description here in Luke. So I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And there's a fun, we're going to, you know, we'll study the terms on this. It's neat to see uh, what, what the suffering is and the, the term for suffer uh, related to Passover, but also concepts tied into uh, to the passion, tied into the death of Christ. It's, it's, it's a neat, it's a neat uh, idea here. So he wants to have Passover before he suffers. For I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. This is the final Passover. This is something they did every single year, year after year after year. Um, his whole life, with one exception, he has gone to Jerusalem to eat the Passover. But this is the last one, the last Passover meal he will eat until he's eating the real, uh, the millennial Passover in the coming kingdom. And, and then, this is where Luke's order is a bit different from Matthew and Mark's order. We skip down to verse 24. And so what we're skipping over is this um, uh, giving of the, um, where am I reading here? 17 through 23. And we'll, we'll tackle that in a later development. So verse 24, there also arose a dispute among them as to which one of them was regarded to be the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them. And those who have authority over them are called benefactors. But it is not this way with you. The one who is the greatest among you must become like the youngest, the leader, like the servant. For who is greater? The one who reclines at the table 
or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. Uh, three more verses. Uh, verse 28. You are those who have stood by me in my trials. And just as my father has granted me a kingdom, I grant you that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. And you will sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, we're not going to get this far today. All right. But this is what we have coming up as we break down this message. We want to understand these are rewards to the 12 apostles of the Lamb. These are rewards for 12 apostles. They're not church age yet. They are apostles in Israel stewardship. This is still dispensation of Israel. And so they're going to have Israel rewards sitting on uh, thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And that is separate from their church rewards. You understand that? They're going to have church rewards too, of course. Because once the day of Pentecost comes and once the church is instituted, they're going to become the first of the apostles. There will be other apostles, right? Paul and Barnabas and James. And there will be other apostles beyond the twelve. But the apostles of the Lamb, the twelve, are very unique because before they were church-age apostles, they were actually age of Israel, dispensation of Israel apostles. And they're going to have rewards in the millennial kingdom for the, uh, the, the fruit that they bore, the labor that they achieved. The, the, uh, they're going to have Israel rewards in the millennial kingdom. And this is part of it. Uh, sitting on 12 thrones, uh, judging, or sitting on thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. All right. So this is what we're going to deal with in episode 17 and episode 18. And as I said, we're going to move on from there. <clears throat> we have the foot washing episode, which uh, follows this in uh, John chapter 13. Uh, and that's as uh, A.T. Robertson distinguished it. In my mind, the, um, that, that's a good place to place it. It's a good place to place the the foot washing episode immediately after this argument amongst themselves as to who's going to be the greatest. Right. Uh, so a after you read Luke 22, 24 through 30, then it makes sense that he would then take off his uh, uh, his robe and, and, and uh, kneel down and and, uh, and and wash their feet at that point. So I agree with that. I think that's a good harmony there to put John 13, 1 through 20 immediately after Luke 22, 24 through 30. 30. Uh, by the way, if you have your copy, if not, we can print some more. Um, we ought to print this page and, and, and let you follow this harmony throughout these episodes. Because episode 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, all of those, these next seven episodes all take place here in the upper room. And keeping them not only in order, but keeping them in the, in the scripture order is important because the, the Luke one is, is going to be very uh, disjunctive, uh, as you'll notice. Verses 14 through 16, verses 24 through 30. We're going to move on to read verses 21 through 23, and then 31 through 38. But then we back up to verses 17 through 20 for the, uh, the communion verses, all right? The institution of the Lord's Supper. So <clears throat> it would be helpful if you don't have that already. Um, We'll see if we can print some of these off and give you, give you these as a handout um, before next week. I'll have that prepared before next week. All right. So, let's start with this uh, water carrier. Who is this guy anyway? Let's stay in Luke. Uh, Luke 22. Um, where do you want us to prepare it? And he said to them, when, you enter, when you've entered the city, remember, where are they spending each night this whole week? They've been here since last Saturday. In Bethany. In Bethany, in the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. That's right, they're in Bethany. <clears throat> and uh, going out there each night, coming back each day, teaching in the temple each day. But Wednesday was his final day to teach in the temple. And Wednesday night, he left the temple. They, they prayed there in the, in the valley. He came up. He delivered the Mount Olivet Discourse Wednesday night and then went into, uh, presumably went into the home there to sleep. Now it's Thursday. And Thursday morning, he's not getting up and going into Jerusalem. Okay? Thursday morning. He does not go into Jerusalem. And at whatever point of time this is... Um, 
This is the uh, first day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And we're going to go back to Exodus. We're going to outline for you what this, uh, the seven days of the Feast of Unleavened Bread are all about, how the first of those days is Passover and how both feasts coincided and, uh, and what all is involved with this. All right. Let's go and prepare the Passover. Well, where do you want us to prepare it? And he said to them, when you've entered the city, a man will meet you. We don't have his name. We've read all three Gospels now, and not one Gospel chose to tell us that his name is Bob. All right? Well, we don't know that. I'm just making that up. We don't know his name. And uh, Peter doesn't know who he is. James doesn't know who he is. Andrew, none of these guys even know who he is. But you'll know who he is. Why? He's going to be carrying a water pitcher. (laughs) So, whoever uh, meets you at the entrance of the city carrying that water pitcher, um, you know, he's going to make eye contact with you or whatever. And then... uh, You'll just start following him. And um, he'll enter a house. You enter the same house. Follow him into the house that he enters. And so are they even speaking to this guy? I don't know that they even speak to this guy, although I think in Matthew they do. Let me look back at that again. Matthew 26. They call uh, Jesus the rabbi or the teacher. If they're talking in Greek, they'll use didaskalos. If they're talking in Aramaic, they'll they'll use rabbi. So go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, the teacher says. So yeah, Matthew doesn't even indicate the the water carrier. He just talks about the homeowner there. All right. So uh, follow the water carrier into the house and then say to the owner of the house. See, the owner of the house may not know who these guys are, (laughs) right? And, um, oh, here, by the way, we have the names. Uh, it's Peter and John in Luke 22, 8. Did you spot that? Matthew, he, just, he was talking to his disciples. His disciples said, where are we going to have Passover? In Mark, he said to two of his disciples. And in Luke, uh, we have the actual record of who the disciples are. They are Peter and John. All right. So, but they don't know who the water carrier is. They're just going to identify him because he's holding the water pitcher. Ah, there's a guy with a water pitcher. That's who we follow. And he walks into a house. They follow him into the same house. There they meet the owner of the house. And he doesn't know who they are either. And uh, so he, you can imagine. <laughs> it's like a spy thriller, isn't it? Uh, the, the water pitcher guy, he probably knows who the water pitcher guy, probably a slave, his water pitcher carrier, comes in and then these two strangers follow him in. Well, who are you? What are you doing here? And... Um, the password is, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And then he will show you a large furnished upper room, prepare it there. And so they're not going to be afraid to, uh, to follow him because uh, he doesn't go into a back room and he doesn't go down into a basement. He goes up, as uh, they were expecting, to a large furnished upper room. And uh, prepare it there. And they left and found everything just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover, however long that takes. And, of course, they're going to need to purchase uh, supplies. They're going to have to go and and obtain the properly sacrificed lamb uh, at the temple. Uh, You cannot uh, partake of of, uh, Passover with just any old lamb from H-E-B. You've got to go to the uh, temple and obtain the uh, Passover lambs, the ones that were stipulated the ones that were uh, identified back on the 10th back on palm monday they were separated as being these are the the official passover lambs and uh, they have to be ritually slain by the by the levites by the priests on the uh, appropriate day at the appropriate time with the appropriate um, procedures and uh, and all of that and uh, so that's what they're involved with doing and while peter and john are doing that getting that all ready to go uh, Jesus and the others um, are having a quiet time with Lazarus at Bethany. We don't know what they're doing. We have no clue what they're doing. And I, I've been thinking about this because, you know, this is almost like my wedding day. You know, you got a, you got an evening event, 7 o'clock in the evening, and the dumbest thing I've done in ages, what, what in the world, you wake up in the morning and you got until 7 at night, what are you going to do all day? All right. (laughs) Let's look at this guy. Point one. 
an unnamed water carrier and an unnamed house owner lead Peter and John to the most famous upper room in the history of the world. Daniel had a pretty famous upper room, upper chamber. This one beats that one, though. Rahab had an upper chamber. She also had a roof storage uh, location. So there are there are a few famous upper rooms in the Bible, but uh, this one beats them all. And we're going to be you and I we're we're going to be in this upper room for several weeks as we go through these episodes here. Don't know who he is, and I like that. <laughs> we're going to get to meet him in heaven, I'm sure. And uh, yep, I'm the guy. I'm the water pitcher guy. <laughs> I'm the homeowner. Okay, two guys. Most famous upper room in the history of the world. Now, under this, all the things that happen here. First of all, Passover will be observed. Passover will be observed. This is episode 17 and 18. So subpoint A, Passover will be observed. And now it doesn't take long. We're going to see in Exodus chapter 12, this meal gets eaten very fast. You have to eat it fast. Okay? So Passover will be observed. Uh, the bracket there, and I, I may change this by the time that we actually publish a notebook, but I've used this kind of, that's Jesus' final week of work at Jerusalem. J-F-W-O-W, using a little O, at J. And J-F-W-O-W at J is Jesus' final week of work at Jerusalem, episode 17 and 18. Passover is observed. Also, foot washing will be demonstrated. Foot washing will be demonstrated. I can't make up my mind if that's one word or two. My spell checker wants it to be two. I think in other places it's listed as one event. Anyway, Jesus' final week of work at Jerusalem, episode 19. So point B, foot washing. Episode 19. The betrayer will be exposed and expelled. The betrayer will be exposed and expelled. What you do, do quickly. Get out of here. And the significance of that, beyond the fact that he is voluntarily allowing himself to be betrayed, he is also ordering the betrayer to be about his father's business. Okay? He's, and more than that, he is actually removing the only unbeliever in the room so that with 100% believers who will be ushered into the church age very quickly, All right. he will then institute communion. And we'll talk about that. I think the order on this is interesting. And depending on how you run the sequence, uh, I, I think it's significant that Judas is not there for the communion. He's there for the Passover, but not the communion. And then I still have to tie together some last details on that before we teach it. But I'm, I'm, I think there's a point to be made in that observation. And what's going to immediately start happening, too, after communion is taught, then we start to see some information that does relate to the church. And that's we've got to be cautious with that because church doesn't start till Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. And church is a mystery prior to that revelation coming to the apostles and prophets. Okay, And so we want to be very cautious anywhere in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to say um, we don't have church information Usually in the Gospels, except in this stretch of the upper room discourse in, Mark, in John 14 through 17, it does pertain to the church and we have text based reasons why we don't just on a whim say, oh, this is church material now. We do so for very specific reasons as it relates to the text. So stay tuned and we'll we'll outline that there for you. Okay? Because otherwise, you're going, to get, you're going to bump your head up against a brick wall with some obstinate person, and they tend to be very opinionated and very difficult to talk to. And they're going to, they're going to insist on their pre-wrath rapture of the church. And they're going to be very forceful about how Matthew 24 and Matthew 25 are rapture passages, which we went through at great length in the, in the uh, Olivet Discourse. Did we not? Okay. And you know that those are not rapture passages. That's second advent. One will be taken, one will be left. That's not rapture. That's second advent. Okay? However, 
When you start discussing this with a very vehement mid-tribber or, uh, or pre-wrath rapture person, they're going to be very insistent that that's a rapture passage there. And um, one of the common things we like to use, people try to use, is saying, well, well, wait a minute. Church is a mystery. Rapture is a mystery. That can't be a rapture passage because it's in the Gospels. It's before Acts chapter 2. And if you use that as a defense, you're in trouble. Because John 14 through 17 is also in the Gospels. See what I'm saying? And it's also before Acts chapter 2. And it does apply to the church. So you can't just dismiss Matthew 25 and say, well, that can't be for the church because it's in the Gospels. You can't do that. Because John 14 through 17 is also in the Gospels. So why do we say John 14 through 17 applies to the church And Matthew 25 doesn't. We better understand why. And we better be able to defend that and describe that in the text. So, stay tuned. We'll have some fun with that. The betrayer is exposed and expelled. Get out of here. Okay. What you do, do quickly. And then the other 11 are all just oblivious. They figure, well, you know, he's got the money box. He's He's probably, you know, arranging something for the poor. Also, communion will be introduced. Episode 22. Now, the only, the only reason why this is in some level of confusion is because of the order of events recorded in Luke. But I think that Matthew and Mark are uh, in agreement in their ordering. And, uh, and that's why I, I think it's best to, uh, to scramble the, the Luke order and uh, accept the Matthew and Mark order on this. So I'm in agreement with uh, Robertson's harmony here. Episode 22, communion is introduced. The Lord's table is instituted. Something different than Passover. And I enjoy, uh, and we need to have, it's been years, we need to have Arnold Fruchtenbaum back and actually do a Passover demonstration to show how Passover leads into communion and what the significance is of Passover with not one, not two, three different glasses of wine and one that he does not partake in, okay, and then even a fourth one. Yeah, there's a fourth glass. Well, now I'm getting rusty. All right. We need to have Arnold come in and, and demonstrate this for us. Passover is A, communion is D, and one leads into the other. But this is brand new stuff. This is brand new. And uh, the 11 who participate in this uh, are being introduced to things that are going to be then followed for the, the entirety of the church age. So communion is introduced. And then finally... Episode 23, a critical discourse will be delivered and the real Lord's Prayer will be offered to the Father. So subpoint E, a critical discourse will be delivered, what we call the upper room discourse. Different from the Mount Olivet discourse, different from the Sermon on the Mount. I should give you a quiz with a mix and match. What is the Sermon on the Mount? What is the Mount Olivet Discourse? What is the uh, Kingdom of Heaven Parable Discourse? What is the Mount, uh, Upper Room Discourse? A critical discourse will be delivered. And interestingly enough, this one's not in the Gospel of Matthew. We call Matthew the Gospel of Discourse, right? This is one that's not in Matthew. This is in the Gospel of John and John alone. John 14, 15, 16, 17... Four whole chapters, okay? Five if you count chapter 13 with the foot washing episode. So it's going to take us from John 14, 1 all the way to John 17, 26. And you'll notice this is where you have a big uh, gap in, uh, in the harmony. You just have the blanks. Did you spot this? The... Um, you got the blanks right there, and then there it is, and there it is. Matthew doesn't touch it. Mark doesn't touch it. Luke doesn't touch it. Chapter 14 through chapter 17, verse 26. There'll be another big gap coming up in chapter 18 of uh, the Gospel of John as well. All right. A, B, C, D, E. 
How long do you think that's going to take us? <laughs> We're going to be here a while. I think it's safe to say we'll be here for the rest of 2010. All right. Moving on. Or 2011. What year is this now? 2011? All right. 2012 coming up. Man. Time flies, doesn't it? So let's start with Passover. Point two. Jesus and his disciples observed the final Passover of his first advent. Jesus and his disciples observed the final Passover of his first advent. Final Passover. Of course, he's going to eat the meal and get arrested that night. And be on a cross the next day. The final Passover of his first advent. Let's start with um, the Old Testament background to this. You're still jotting verses down. That's Matthew twenty six seventeen. That's the same verses we looked at before. Mark fourteen twelve, Luke twenty two verses seven through sixteen. Jesus and his disciples observed the final Passover as first advent. So point A: Old Testament background on Passover and unleavened bread is important to review, and so we'll review it. It's Exodus chapter twelve. If you want to turn there, I recommend uh, R. A. Tory. The new topical textbook is a good resource. Some of you have that. Or uh, Nave's topical Bible might be another good summary. But join me in Exodus chapter 12. This is so fun because... uh, as we taught before, Christ is our Passover. So on the night in which he's betrayed, he partakes in Passover and he celebrates the ritual and then he fulfills the reality. And it's uh, it's, uh, it's an amazing thing to see how this how this unfolds. All right. Uh, You have all the plagues coming, taking you through chapter 11 and then the Passover lamb here in chapter 12. Uh, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall be the beginning of months for you. And it's be the first month of the year to you. And this was in the spring and spring was always the first month of the year until the Romans came along and gave us January. All right. Um, Speak. And, and even uh, even long into the what we would consider rather modern times, there was a mindset that the spring, the vernal equinox, was the first of the year. Anyway, um, speak to all the congregation of, the, of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, they are each one to take a lamb for themselves, according to their father's households, a lamb for each household. Now, this is a month that will be named Nisan. Uh, once they return from Babylon and adopt the Babylonian month names. It had another name prior to that, but it doesn't matter. It's the same month, whatever you call it. We can call it March today or March, April in our Gregorian calendar. But on the 10th of that month, Nisan 10, select the lamb uh, for themselves, according to their father's household, a lamb for each household. If the household's too small, then you carpool. You uh, not carpool. You you uh, put two small houses together so that you can eat an entire lamb because leftovers are not permitted. No leftovers on Passover. Uh, so he and his neighbor's house, uh, the neighbor nearest to his house, are to take one according to the number of persons in them, according to what each man should eat. You are to buy the lamb. Your lamb shall be an unblemished male, a year old. In other words, youthful. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Either way, doesn't matter. You shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Now, why do you make the selection on the 10th, but butcher it on the 14th? You know, because that's what they're told to do. All right. And uh, we, we identify that the 10th was the day of the triumphal entry of Jesus. Palm Monday entrance into Jerusalem and the Passover lamb was selected on that day. And they identified their Passover lamb. They said, behold, our king and hallelujah and all of the um, Hosanna hymns of that uh, of that day all right then the whole assembly of the congregation of israel is to kill it at twilight now in the years in between they came up with a definition as the nation grew 
And they decided, well, what do we mean by twilight? How long do we have for twilight? And then basically they settled on 3 o'clock to 5 o'clock was their two-hour window whereby they slaughtered as many of these lambs as they could and were were, um, providing for the uh, inhabitants of Jerusalem there that were lined up for, for miles. All right. Moreover, they shall take uh, some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. And uh, this was so that the angel of death would pass over when they see the blood on the lintel. Uh, They shall eat the flesh that same night, roasted with fire, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled at all with water, but rather roasted with fire, both its head and its legs along with its entrails. And you shall not leave any of it over until morning. Remember, no leftovers. But whatever is left of it until uh, morning, you shall burn with fire. Because uh, the next day after the Passover is, well, we'll talk about that, the typology on that. Now, you shall eat it in this manner. With your loins girded, sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. All right, this is almost like an army meal. All right. You can imagine how many how many meals did I eat in the desert standing up with boots on and you just scarf it down and and uh, there you go. So you understand that this is different than what we see later with the Lord's table and more of the slower, relaxed approach where John's reclining on his breast and they're uh, they're not wearing their sandals. In fact, uh, Jesus has washed their feet in the meantime. And then they recline back and then they have a much longer meal. And then they have more fellowship and more teaching. And then he gives them communion. Okay, That's an entirely different setting than here. On your feet, sandals on, staff in your hand, wolfing it down. All right? Scarfing it down. That that comes from the ancient Hebrew, by the way. Scarf. All right. Now, um, then the explanation. Eat it in haste. And this is the reminder that the night they were delivered out of Egypt, they were in a hurry to get on out. And so they get to teach their kids this year after year after year. You know, most most nights, parents are, are telling their kids what? Right? Slow down. Chew your food. <laughs> okay? Don't talk with your mouth full. But on this night, the parents are like, no, eat fast. We're in haste. Eat it in haste. Sandals on. Staff in hand. Let's get ready to walk out the door. Because we are recreating the memory of the night of our deliverance out of Egypt. Uh, So eat in haste, it is the Lord's Passover. For I will go through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments, I am the Lord. And the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And so we have the very, the significance of the applied blood at that point. It's, It's not merely... And only the death of the animal that provides deliverance from the wrath. Uh, But it is the death of the animal and then the blood applied whereby he sees the blood and passes over. Now, that's Passover, okay? But Passover doesn't sit by itself. It's followed here. We have the Feast of Unleavened Bread, verse 14. Now, this day will be a memorial to you and you shall celebrate it as a feast of the Lord throughout your generations as uh, you are to celebrate it as a permanent ordinance. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. Seven days. So Passover is, is like kickoff. Okay, It's day one. And we read that in Luke. On the first day of unleavened bread, that is the Passover. On the day of the Passover lands were slain. So you see how they correlate. Passover is not seven days long. Passover is one evening meal that you can't have leftovers till the next day. But for seven days, no leaven. Not only can you not eat it, it cannot even be in your house. On the first day, you shall remove leaven from your houses. For whoever eats anything leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. So there's a, there's a tremendous ritual whereby every room is swept, whereby every uh, cupboard is checked and, and so forth. 
and uh, the Jewish rituals between the Jewish housewife and the father where they check and inspect that the house is leaven free. On the first day, you shall have a holy assembly. Uh, The holy convocation was the old King James term. Another holy assembly on the seventh day. No work at all shall be done on them except what must be uh, eaten by every person. That alone may be prepared by you. So food preparation is not counted as work uh, in terms of a Sabbath violation. You shall also observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread. For on this very day I brought your host uh, out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a permanent ordinance. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month, at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of the month at evening. Now, from the fourteenth to the twenty-first, this is seven days, but given that it's seven days inclusive, including the twenty-first, this led to a discussion on whether it technically ought to be eight days instead of seven, and there was quite a bit of a debate uh, amongst the rabbis and in different traditions there. We won't go into that. Let's just leave it like it is. All right. From the 14th to the 21st, seven days. Seven days there shall be no leaven found in your houses. For whoever eats what is leavened, that person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is an alien or a native of the land. You shall not eat anything leavened. In all your dwellings you shall eat unleavened bread. All right. So there we have it. And there's more, but let's go ahead and leave off on that. Let's look at Tory. He gives a good summary here. The feast of the Passover uh, ordained by God. We saw that Exodus 12, 1 and 2 commenced the 14th of the first month in the evening. Exodus 12, also Leviticus 23, 5, Numbers 9, 3. I'm not going to turn to all these side passages. Lasted seven days. We talked about that. It is called uh, the Passover. Sometimes, by the way, uh, sometimes just the one term Passover includes both. It includes both the Passover night and the seven days that follow. And rather than calling it Passover and unleavened bread, they just call it Passover, and it's a comprehensive term that includes the entire thing. Uh, it's called the Jews' Passover in John 2 and John 11. Passover of the Jews. We'll see those verses. Uh, it's called the Lord's Passover, Yahweh, Jehovah's Passover in Exodus 12. Coincides also called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Sometimes that's the only term that's used. The Feast of the Unleavened Bread. Well, that also includes Passover because that's day one of the seven days. Um, Sometimes it's called the Days of Unleavened Bread rather than the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The Days of Unleavened Bread. Acts chapter 12 and Acts chapter 20. It was one of the feasts whereby every male had to appear. All males have to appear. Exodus 23:17, Deuteronomy 16:16, 16, 16. three times a year all your males shall appear before the Lord God. So it didn't matter if you lived from Dan to Beersheba, wherever you were in the land grant, you understand there's three times in the year that you must appear before the Lord in His holiness and in Jerusalem. And that's going to be unleavened bread, Pentecost, seven weeks later, and in the fall. Then the third time came in the fall at. Uh, um, tabernacles so anyway that's described in exodus 23 and uh, deuteronomy 16 16 the paschal lamb the suffering lamb the uh, passover lamb at uh, is eaten on the first day which is the 14th day of the month the first day of the seven days of unleavened bread Uh, unleavened bread eaten throughout all seven of these days not only did they eat the unleavened bread but leaven um, could not even be in the house. And you say, well, what's, I mean, as long as I don't eat the bread, who cares if I've got leaven in the cupboard? What difference does that make? It does make a difference. Jesus, uh, the Lord said, nowhere in your dwelling, nowhere in your house. Um, beyond what we read already in Exodus 12, not to be in any of their quarters, Exodus 13, 7. Uh, Deuteronomy 16.4, nothing at all could have leaven in it. There was punishment. You were expelled from the congregation of the sons of Israel. I mean, that's severe. Cut off from the solemn assembly. The first and the last days were holy convocations. 
which is like, uh, think of that as maybe a, a super Sabbath. <laughs> all right. Uh, it, is, it is a gathering of all Israel for um, the ritual observance, for the, uh, the, the sanctified meals, for the fellowship with the priests and the Levites, uh, for fast, uh, for, for not fasting, feasting, for uh, the opposite of fasting, for feasting with the priests and the Levites, for, um, yeah, think of it as like a, a super Sabbath, a hyper Sabbath, a solemn assembly. On day one and day last, the holy convocations. Uh, if you want more detail on the Levitical offerings, they're described in Leviticus 23.8 and Numbers 28, verses 19 through 24. You shall present an offering by fire, a burnt offering to the Lord, two bowls and one ram, seven male lambs, one year old, having them without defect. Now this is what... Not every human being had to do this. This is what the, the priesthood would do, representing the nation of Israel. This is the national offering that's presented here. Uh, for their grain offering, you shall offer fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for a bowl and two-tenths for the ram. Tenth of an ephah you shall offer for each of the seven lambs. And one male goat for a sin offering to make atonement for you. Present these besides the burnt offerings of the morning, which is for a continual burnt offering. Don't forget that every single morning you get a brand new burnt offering and don't miss that just because this is the holy convocation. After this manner, you shall present daily for seven days the food of the offering by fire, but soothing aroma to the Lord. It shall be presented with its drink offerings in addition to the continual burnt offering. And on the seventh day, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no laborious work. All right. So there's the off national offerings that were offered by the priesthood there. The first sheaf of barley harvest offered on the day after the Sabbath. Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, when you enter the land which I am going to give to you. Now this they did not observe during their wilderness wanderings. This was a component to the ritual that was only added after the, um, after the conquest, after they entered into the land. This was a... They were told about it in Leviticus, uh, but they didn't have to observe it for their 40 years of wilderness wandering. It was only after they entered into the land. When you enter the land which I'm going to give you and reap its harvest, then you shall bring in the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priests. You shall wave the sheaf before the Lord for you to be accepted. On the day after the Sabbath, the morrow after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. Okay. Again, that morrow after the Sabbath, it's a, it's a uh, significant principle. All right. Well, you could, you could get lost in all this detail, couldn't you? So that's point 11, point 12. Uh, the purpose for this, uh, for Passover and for the unleavened bread, uh, the passing over the firstborn son. So we're celebrating the fact that our firstborns were, were spared. That the firstborn did not have to die. That an animal took the place of the firstborn did not have to die. And then secondly, we're celebrating the deliverance of Israel from bondage of Egypt. Two things to celebrate. It is to be perpetually observed during the Mosaic Age. We saw that in a couple of the verses we read already. Exodus 12:14 gets repeated again in Exodus 13:10. Keep this ordinance at its appointed time from year to year. Every single year, this is a memorial. Every single year, this is a memorial. They're going to observe it in the Millennial Kingdom as well. By the way, they won't be they'll still observe Passover, but they won't say as the Lord lives, who delivered us out of the land of Egypt. They'll say as the Lord lives, who gathered us from the four corners of the earth and brought us into this millennial kingdom. Nevertheless, they will still observe Passover and unleavened bread for the thousand year reign of Christ. Children to be taught the nature and the design of this. This is the opportunity to teach your kids when your children say to you, what does this right mean to you? You shall say it is a Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the sons of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians but spared our homes. And the people bowed low and worshipped. So this is a part of their family heritage and their, their doctrinal instruction for their, for their children. Purification is necessary. You cannot observe... In fact, any of these, Passover, Pentecost, Tabernacles, Feast of Trumpets, Feast of Booth, any of these... If you uh, try to participate in these and you are ceremonially unclean, no, 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 no. Okay? So, purification is necessary to observe this. 
They even had, um, this is from Second Chronicles 30, verses 15 through 19. They slaughtered the Passover lambs on the 14th of the second month. Why do they have the second month instead of the first month? And the priests and the Levites were ashamed of themselves and consecrated themselves and brought burnt offerings to the house of the Lord. They stood at their stations after their custom according to the law of Moses, the man of God, which the priests sprinkled the blood which they'd received from the hand of the Levites. And what happens is they actually offered a makeup Passover a month later. They offered a, a makeup Passover because there were uh, folks that were not ceremonially clean in the first month. Okay. And, and there could be all kinds of things that would leave you ceremonially unclean. Sexual relations, uh, touching a dead body, um, a, a woman's menstrual cycle, having a baby. I mean, if you just had a baby, um, what was it two weeks for a boy, four weeks for a girl? No, seven. Seven weeks. Seven weeks for a boy, 14 weeks for a girl was your, uh, was your ceremonially uncleanness uh, after childbirth. Um, any number of other things that could leave you ceremonially unclean. A uh, 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 lesion on your skin or anything like that. Um, and so on this occasion here in Second Chronicles chapter 30, they were making provision for a, uh, a makeup date one month later. John 11:55 also talks about that purification. Passover the Jews was near and many went up to Jerusalem out of the country before the Passover to purify themselves. And it was a good idea to arrive early and to go through the ritual purification and then stay locally within the within the Sabbath day's journey of the temple within the precincts of of the uh the enclosure of of Jerusalem there. Might be kept in the second month by those who were unclean at the appointed time. We discussed that already from Second Chronicles 30. Uh, provision for that was made in Numbers chapter 9, verses 6 through 11. No uncircumcised person was allowed to keep Passover. Now, if a Gentile wanted to observe Passover, they, they had to become a, a proselyte. They had to go through the, uh, the process. They were more than willing to uh, participate, but they were going to be, uh, they were going to be circumcised first. And uh, otherwise, a foreigner, a sojourner, Somebody who just happened to be uh, in town on business um, was not to eat of the Passover. Unless, of course, he gets circumcised first and then he's not a foreigner anymore. All right. Death penalty. Numbers 9.13. Cut off from his people. Cut off from his people. And then under point 21, several of the significant Passovers that are featured in Scripture, including uh, their departure from Egypt, the very first one in Exodus 12, in the wilderness of Sinai, presented in Numbers 9, uh, when they entered the land of promise in Joshua 5, a very significant Passover that happened there. Uh, there was a famous Passover during the reign of Hezekiah in Second uh, Chronicles 30. It's the one we were just looking at. In uh, Josiah's reign. 2 Kings 23 and 2 Chronicles 35, when they came back from their captivity and they have their first Passover after the Babylonian exile, Ezra chapter 6, and then the most famous Passover of all is the one we're looking at here today and the one that we're going to uh, continue to look at in, uh, in the weeks ahead. All right, well, I'm out of time. It's already 11 o'clock. Where does the time go? Uh, let's pick up on this next week, and uh, we will study the a um, couple of other details as it relates to this. And I'll give you a week to, week to think about it. Um, no, I won't, I won't ruin your week that way. We'll we'll address it next week. I won't haunt you like that. We'll 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 talk about it next week. But there is, a, there is a discrepancy in what I've already spoken of. And Christ is our Passover. And the, uh, when were they butchering these animals? Was it on Thursday or was it on Friday? Because he was on the cross on Friday. Christ our Passover. So was Thursday the, the butcher day or was Friday the butcher day? And we'll, we'll answer that for you next week. Thank you, Father, for your truth. Thy word is true. Thank you for our Savior. Father, thank you for his obedience to your plan. The lamb without spot or blemish. 
giving himself in our place that we might have eternal life. Thank you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.